What's up, Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to another episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show. Now a member of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Huge thank you to Mike and all the guys over at DolphinsTalk.com for hosting us on their site. Make sure to check them out. It is your one-stop shop for all things Dolphins. You may have noticed that this is Aaron the Brain, and I am starting the show off. Josh is feeling a little bit under the weather, and I'm doing this show late on a Tuesday evening, and so he needed to get some rest so that he can take care of business, you know, the everyday real-life business that pays the bills, uh, because, spoiler alert, this podcast doesn't pay the bills, so I'm flying solo tonight, so hopefully... uh You bear with me, and this isn't completely unlistenable. Uh, Tonight's show, we are going to do our wrap-up show of the Dolphins' 31-12 defeat to the Green Bay Packers. It was a miserable game. It was just a dreadful performance in just about every single way, shape, or form. And what makes it so much worse is that it was wholly predictable. We knew that they were going to go in there, and it was going to be a struggle, and that Green Bay was probably going to jump all over them. And that's pretty much what happened. Although, at the same time, watching that game, you couldn't help but feel like you knew they were going to lose. And you knew that, at the end of the day, Green Bay was the better team, and there was no way that we were going into Lambeau and coming away with a victory. But Green Bay really gave us the opportunities, and it also seemed like, you know, that Green Bay team, they're not really that good. The Dolphins in this game were able to pretty much move the ball. It was just, once we got inside the 20, we just couldn't get out of our own way. It was turnovers, missed opportunities, penalties, just any way that the Dolphins' offense could shoot themselves in the foot, they did it. And that's nothing new, uh, to this team. They just, they find ways to lose games, uh, even when the other teams give them opportunities to win. And that's kind of what this game was. That was kind of the story. The story of this game was basically the opening drive of the game, which was the Dolphins getting the ball, breaking off a 38, 39 yard run by Frank Gore on the first play, moving the ball all the way down the field, looking like we're, we're taking it to the Packers. We're going to score a touchdown on our first drive, even though we haven't done that in over a year. And lo and behold, we get a bad snap. And, and this was a bad snap by Swanson, but as bad as the snap was, it was still a very catchable snap by Brock Osweiler. But of course, it goes right through Osweiler's hands, goes over his head. Osweiler looks like Frankenstein back there. He is so immobile and he can't just fall on this ball. And so of course Green Bay recovers it. And of course they go right down the field and score a touchdown. And that was pretty much the story of the game was the Dolphins moving down the field, unable to cash in and then Green Bay getting the ball and showing you how easy it is to cash in on the Miami Dolphins defense. And this was just It was another terrible game for the Dolphins' defense. Uh, Green Bay scored on their first two drives, doing it with incredible ease, mostly doing it 
on the shoulders of Aaron Jones because the Dolphins just could not stop the run at all in the first quarter. And there were just these gaping holes for Aaron Jones. The linebackers were nowhere to be found, just consistently out of position. The defensive line was completely dominated by Green Bay's offensive line. And then Aaron Rodgers did what Aaron Rodgers does, which is when he needs to make a play, he makes a play. And Green Bay had their way with the Miami Dolphins. There's not a whole lot to get into. The whole the whole game, and by now, I mean, we're I'm recording this on a late Tuesday night, so the game's been broken down. It's been twisted and rehashed every way that you can. So I'm sure that you don't want me to do your typical breakdown that we would usually do on a Sunday evening right after the game. Uh, but the story of this game, uh, it's it's really in one stat, and that is red zone opportunities. The Miami Dolphins in this game had three red zone opportunities. In those red zone opportunities, they came away with two field goals and a turnover. Green Bay had four red zone opportunities and their four red zone opportunities, they came away with four touchdowns. That's the game right there. And that is just, that's what happens when you have Brock Osweiler, a quarterback who, look, we had a nice couple of weeks. We had a nice little love affair with Brock Osweiler, but he's Brock Osweiler. He's just, he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. And while there may not be a huge drop-off between uh, from Ryan Tannehill to Brock Osweiler, there is a drop-off. And there is a reason that Brock Osweiler was virtually not in the league, would not be in the league if it wasn't for the Miami Dolphins. This is a guy who was cut from the Cleveland Browns last year. A Cleveland Browns team that last season... I don't even remember who their starting quarterback was. What did they have? Uh, I know, I legitimately just don't remember who their starting quarterback was. They had uh, that guy from from USC. It was just, it was complete garbage. And, and Brock Osweiler wasn't even good enough to be on their roster. And uh, he became the Dolphins' backup because Adam Gase had his familiarity with him. And, uh, you know... W- before the season, we weren't even sure that Brock Osweiler would beat out David Fales to be the backup quarterback on this team, but apparently he did. And that seemed like the great decision, like a, like it was a great decision by both Adam Gase and Mike Tannenbaum to bring this guy aboard because he played really well for the first couple of weeks when we needed him to once Tannehill went, went out with an injury. Uh, he played well against Chicago. He was, he was pretty good in the Detroit game, but it has steadily gotten worse and worse and worse. And as the weeks go by and the opposing teams do their game film, do their homework on Brock Osweiler and create a defensive game plan against him, it has just gotten worse and worse every single week. And it's gotten to the point now where I don't know how, if you're the Dolphins, you can trot him out there again. He has just, I, this is who he is. The, you've got a whole track record of evidence that says that this is who Brock Osweiler is. And if you want to fool yourself into believing that he's closer to the guy that we saw against Chicago and Detroit, go ahead and fool yourself because that two game sample just does not stand up against the 
against the vast majority of his career, which says that he is at best a second string quarterback. And in all honesty, probably a third string quarterback. And let's, let's even go back to that Chicago game. And I'm not saying that there weren't good throws in that Chicago game. And he made probably the best throw we've seen a Dolphins quarterback make this season in the Detroit game the following week. But would we be sitting here saying that Brock Osweiler is a quality backup quarterback if it wasn't for a couple of screen passes that Albert Wilson turned into 50 and 60 yard touchdowns. I mean, those were not great throws by Brock Osweiler. Those were easy throws by Brock Osweiler that were turned into enormous game-changing plays by Albert Wilson. And since Albert Wilson has gone out, this offense has completely fallen flat. And I say that knowing that in this last game, the Dolphins actually moved the ball well. 19 first downs, four and a half yards of replay, which is not great, but it's competent. But the problem is, is that once they get into scoring position and the throws become more difficult and you need to have more attention to detail, it's just Brock Osweiler is a dumpster fire. He just does not get the job done and he's never going to get the job done on any kind of consistent basis. And that brings me to the decision that needs to be made that probably won't be made because Adam Gase is extremely stubborn, and that is, if we don't see Ryan Tannehill back, and uh, you know the latest news is that he's begun throwing, and he's still not throwing any further than 10 yards. Folks, if he's not throwing further than 10 yards, and he's made no progress in this entire time, he's just not going to get that strength back at any time here in the remainder of the season, and there is no reason to force him in there if he's not healthy. Ryan Tannehill will probably put be put on IR sometime here during the bye week or leading up to the following week. I'm fully expecting that Ryan Tannehill will not be playing and I'm not breaking anything. It's just sort of reading the tea leaves, you making an educated guess. My educated guess is that we have seen the last of Ryan Tannehill this season. Whether he'll be back next year or not, that's a that's a that's a more complex issue, and that one I would say it's it's it could go either way. I'd, I'd say it's about fifty fifty. Um, it it really depends on a lot of different factors, but we're not going to get into those because we've we've gotten into those in the past, and I, we'll we'll have other times where we can get into those. But if we don't see Ryan Tannehill, and I don't think we're going to see him, it's time to see what you got in David Fails, and. You could talk about how, well, Adam Gase sees David Fales in practice every week and decides that Brock Osweiler is better than him. Fine. That may be the case. And Brock Osweiler might be better than David Fales. But you know what? You gotta try something. And there's a reason. I'd like to think so anyway. I'd like to think that there is a reason that the Dolphins did, you know, most teams in the NFL these days because they value every roster spot. They keep two quarterbacks on the roster. If they get into a situation where they get a quarterback that gets hurt and is going to miss significant time, they sign a third quarterback. Either they bring him up off the practice squad or they sign another quarterback and they put him in and keep him as a contingency, excuse me, as a contingency plan. The Dolphins kept four quarterbacks on the roster 
coming out of the preseason. And yes, Luke Falk got hurt, but they have kept David Fales on the roster all this time. Because Adam Gase has his familiarity with him. He had him in Chicago. He kept him on the roster. He was on the the practice squad last year. And he decided to keep him on the roster this year. Well, what's the point of keeping him on the roster if you're not going to play him in spite of just getting pretty much as bad a quarterback play as you could get for multiple weeks? At some point, you just got to say, hey, next guy up. It's not just about when you got guys that get injured. It's also about when the guys that are in position to start just don't perform. You've got to put somebody else in there. And it'd be nice to know, you know, coming out of this year, what is David Fales? Is David Fales a starting quarterback? Probably not. I, I, I don't think anybody at this point is under any kind of delusion that David Fales is going to come in and he's going to wow everybody and we're going to go, hey, maybe we're going to start we're going to go into next season. David Fales will be our starting quarterback. That ain't going to happen, folks. But it would be nice if we could go into next season and say, hey, you know what? David Fales started five or six games for us last year, and he he was serviceable, and he was better than Brock Osweiler. Maybe there's a cheap backup quarterback option that we can have on the roster next year, regardless of who we have as the starting quarterback, whether that's Ryan Tannehill, whether that's us going out and bringing in a Teddy Bridgewater, whether that's us going out and actually drafting a quarterback. What a novel idea that would be. Whatever the case, it's time to find out what you got in David Fales because the quarterback position can't be played much worse than the way that Brock Osweiler has played it the last two weeks. He's missing guys left and right. He's missing open guys. He's holding on to the ball too long. And and look, before I go any further, a lot of people have said, look, what did you expect? You went into this game, you expected to have your two starting tackles and they were declared out on Friday and you came in and you, you know, you're starting Sam Young and Zach Stirrup and you're starting Zach Brendel. Three fifths of your offensive line uh, was not starters. And and in four fifths of your offensive line coming to this game weren't even starters going into the season. So, How can you put Brock Osweiler behind that offensive line, have Jakeem Grant get hurt, have Devontae Parker get hurt, and expect anything better than what Brock Osweiler gave you? Well, first off, the offensive line. Was the offensive line good in this game? No, they weren't particularly good. But the offensive line was not that bad in this game. The offensive line was not the reason why the Dolphins didn't put up points. Brock Osweiler, if Brock Osweiler has himself a good game and he's hitting the throws that he's expected to make, and and I'm not talking about hitting every throw. I'm not expecting him to go out there and be Aaron Rodgers. But if he goes out there and he hits a couple of these throws, then maybe instead of 12 points, the Dolphins put up 20 points. Or maybe they put up 24 points. And they still probably lose the game. But... You feel like your offense played pretty well. That was not on the offensive line. I mean, the Dolphins ran the ball. Brock Osweiler was sacked six times in this game, but only two of those really go on the offensive line. The majority of those sacks were a combination of coverage sacks or Brock Osweiler missing guys that were open 
and holding on to the ball too long and and in result getting sacked. And this guy cannot get out of the pocket. He has no pocket presence. He's like Ryan Tannehill except not mobile when it comes to pocket presence. This guy, I mean, I don't know what the hell ha- got into him in those first 2 weeks with Chicago and Detroit. He was playing just way above his head because these last 3 weeks it's been the the Houston game was not terrible, but you started to see the signs. You really saw the cracks in these last 2 weeks against the Jets and the Packers no offensive touchdowns in the last two weeks and that is squarely on the shoulders of Brock Osweiler and then you're going to get people that say well Adam Gase what's the deal with this offensive guru uh you know no offensive touchdowns in the last two weeks look he he's not without blame I, I will admit that and I've I have been extremely critical of Adam Gase all year long but I'd also say that If you go back and you watch this game, this game was not about, as far as the offense was considered, this wasn't an an example of guys, you know, of them having a bad game plan, of of them having a bad scheme, of them being put in the bad position. This was actually an example of guys getting open, us moving the ball, and just having... Just no competent quarterback play. And that's, that's what this is. And if it, the only thing that I could fault Adam Gase on from an offensive standpoint in this game was that at some point, maybe looking at this and saying, man, Brock Osweiler's really bad. Let's go and see if we can get a spark out of David Fales. And hopefully we will see that coming out of the bye week. I mean, we've got now two weeks. Granted that they're still probably holding out hope that we're going to see Ryan Tannehill. I'm not holding my breath. I don't think we're going to see Ryan Tannehill in this next game. But if we don't, I would hope that David Fales gets a lot of reps and that David Fales ends up getting in to the next game um, as the starting quarterback. And if he's not the starting quarterback, then I would hope that he at least gets a lot of reps in practice. And if Brock Osweiler is your starter, that he's on a short leash and it doesn't take more than a couple of bad drives for Adam Gase to to yank him and let's see what we got in David Fails. Now, that pretty much covers the offensive side of the ball coming out of this week. Obviously, you've got your injuries, your injury news. Uh, it looks like Jakeem Grant has an Achilles injury. It's not as serious as it originally appeared. Um, and the word there is that he's going to miss, you know, four to five weeks, which means that he could conceivably be back before the season is over. But I would also say that if things go downhill in a hurry and we are eliminated in the playoffs uh, from the playoff race at that point, and he's not a hundred percent, then there is no reason to rush back Jakeem Grant. Uh, of, Of course, if the Dolphins remain competitive and we're sitting at like seven and seven or something. And we're still technically in the playoff race and Jakeem Grant is cleared to play and he practices. Then of course you're, you're going to play that guy, but you'd hate for them to risk any sort of long-term injury to a guy who is really, he's really important to the Dolphins from a special teams aspect, but he's also, he's an explosive player. He's a guy that can create big plays for this offense. And 
there's only so many guys that any team has that can do those kinds of things. And the Dolphins have really three of them on their offense, four if you count Devontae Parker, but on a consistent basis, the guys that that really have been our biggest playmakers this season, Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, Albert Wilson obviously out for the year, Jakeem Grant possibly out the remainder of the year, but could return, and then Kenyon Drake. And Kenyon Drake continues to be probably, I would say underutilized, but Frank Gore ran the ball extremely effectively in this game and also broke out, you know, the, the Dolphins' biggest play of the game. Uh, well, actually, it was their second longest game. We also had the big play uh, from Brock Osweiler to Danny Amendola, which was basically uh, Amendola coming over on, on a crossing route and... The ball was kind of thrown behind him. The defender went for the interception, missed, and Amendola caught the ball and then was able to take off running. And that gained 39 yards, which is actually exactly the same distance as we got running the ball in that Frank Gore run. So those were the two biggest plays of the Dolphins game. And neither of them resulted in the Dolphins picking up any touchdowns, of course, because we didn't score any touchdowns for the second straight week, at least on the offensive side. Uh, but Kenyon Drake... Eight carries for 27 yards versus Frank Gore, 13 carries for 90 yards. Even if you take away that 39-yard run by Frank Gore, I mean, you're still looking at 12 carries for 51 yards, which is still a more efficient day at the office than we got from Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake used a little bit in the passing game, but I mean... Nobody put up really any kind of impressive numbers in the passing game. I thought our most impressive receiver in this game was Devontae Parker, and shocker, Devontae Parker went down with an injury, and it's being reported as a sprained AC joint, and the news that we're getting is it's a, it's a week-to-week injury, which seems like anytime Devontae Parker gets injured, it's a, it's a week-to-week injury, and it's about pain threshold, which means you can pretty much write off Devontae Parker is missing, you know, we're, we're going to get the bye week, so he'll miss the game after that, and maybe he'll be back for the next week, but he'll probably miss that one too. A little bit tongue-in-cheek, but don't be shocked because that has been the track record of Devontae Parker is that when it comes to these injuries where it's about pain threshold, where he's cleared, but he just doesn't, you know, he doesn't practice, he holds himself out. At least that's the reputation that has been built and that's how he's been portrayed is that, uh, you know, he jammed his finger, he's going to miss two weeks. That's basically... Uh, the Devonte Parker story, but but that is the the offense and that is the injury situation on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, look, it might not make any kind of difference if they fire Matt Burke midseason. It, you're just going to promote somebody within. It, it probably doesn't make a difference. But I don't know how you could sit here and week after week you see guys out of position, just blown coverages, no semblance of a defensive game plan and Matt Burke still has a job it's just it doesn't make any sense to me this defense is atrocious and it's not all talent folks this is there is just no attention to detail uh Devontae Parker I mean Devontae uh, Adams is second touchdown he's basically wide open because the Dolphins are in cover two and Xavier Howard isn't getting deep enough in the cover two and Rashad Jones is too high on, on the cover two and it's just 
these are things that are supposed to be figured out in practice and there's supposed to be some attention to detail. And that just seems to be a recurring theme with these, with this Dolphins defense is it's just, these guys just do not know where to be. And that falls entirely on the coaching. It's just, it, it is, it's, it's not, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, we could, that if we had some great defensive coordinator that we would all of a sudden have some elite defense. But we would not be a bad defense. There, There is enough talent on this defense for it to be serviceable. And it just, it's not even serviceable. And the whole wide nine thing, this whole game plan, it just doesn't work. It's not working. We're we're putting Robert Quinn and and Cameron Wake out there to just pin their ears back and go after the quarterback. And we're leaving these gaping holes for running backs and then the linebackers are nowhere to be found and we're giving and we're just getting gashed for 9 10 yards a carry. I mean Aaron Jones 15 carries for 145 yards, 9.7 yards a carry. The Packers is a team, 25 carries for 195 yards, 7.8 yards per carry. It is ridiculous how bad our run defense is when we go up against anybody that is not named the Jets and that is just that's how it's been, folks. It's just this defense isn't going to get any better as long as Matt Burke is at the helm. And this offense isn't going to get any better as long as Brock Osweiler is at the helm. And with six games left, that puts us at a place where, look, we're not a limit. We're still technically, I, I believe, in the seven spot in the AFC. So we're still there technically in the playoff race but this doesn't look like a t- like I mean this is not a playoff team it just isn't and at this point look I want them to play I want to see how far this team could get I want them to play hard but I think I've gotten to that point that I get to most years as a Dolphin fan unfortunately and more often than not it happens in the month of November that we've gotten to that point in the season where I just think it's better for this team to lose. I, I don't want them to quit. You know, I, I obviously, you know, these guys got to play hard and I want to see them play hard and I want to see the young players be productive and look good. And I want to see growth in certain aspects, but we've gotten to the point where winning just isn't doing this team any favors. I mean, the close, the each with each win, you're moving probably two or three spots up the draft board. And you're making it that much more difficult to get your starting quarterback. And I know that this might not be a good quarterback draft, but the further down you get, the harder it is to make any kind of deal to move up. If you're, if there is a quarterback that you want to get, that's probably going to go in the top three or four. If you're sitting there at pick 11 or 12, it's going to be awfully difficult to move up. You're going to have to give up a whole lot. And it's not just the first round picks, it's also the second round picks that you're down there. And if there's a quarterback that you want in the second round, well, you know, those teams that that are picking early in the draft, they might want a quarterback, but they might not they might look at the this draft class and say, you know, I don't think any of these guys are worth a top 5 pick. We'll wait to the second round. And if they've got a top 5 pick in the second round, they're still in a much better position than the Dolphins to grab their quarterback in the second round. So the the Dolphins are at that point and, and look, there's probably nothing that they can do. They could probably lose out and they still might not have, uh, you know, a top five pick, but they got to get pretty close to it 
for them to really be able to make a move as far as drafting a quarterback unless they just get absolutely lucky and they find a diamond in the rough in like the third or fourth round. But that doesn't happen too often, and I have no faith in this franchise that they're going to be able to make that happen. Um, Frankly, I have very little faith that they'll be able to make it happen even if they take their guy in the first round, but at least it would show that they're, they're taking a stab on somebody and they're trying to do something with this quarterback position instead of what they did this offseason, which was to put all of their eggs in the Ryan Tannehill basket and then say, hey, look, Tannehill's our guy. And to, and, and to further double down, as far as backup quarterback is concerned, we're bringing in Brock Osweiler and we're keeping David Fales, which told you everything you needed to know that this was Ryan Tannehill or bust. And guess what? Ryan Tannehill made it through a grand total of five games, and now it's bust. And that's that might as well be what we call uh, Brock Osweiler. He's a bust. And at least maybe we could find out, maybe is is uh, is uh, David Fale a bust? David Fale's a bust. Probably, uh, although you have no expectations. Uh, but that's that's the sad state of affairs of this Dolphins quarterback situation. And frankly, that's the sad state of affairs for this entire Dolphins franchise going forward. So look, we, we expected them to lose. And I think any, I I think even the most diehard Dolphin optimist who, you know, the, you know, the most Homer Dolphin fan probably came into that game and, you know, said, well, we've got a chance, but we're probably going to lose. Whereas most people would have said, no, you've, you've got no chance. I think the Dolphin Homer would have looked at it and said, you got a little bit of a chance. And maybe you felt pretty good about your chances when you went into halftime only down 14 to nine. Um, but, but you knew, you, you, you knew going in and you knew even down 14 to nine. This was not a winnable game for this team, not in their state and not. Uh, in Green Bay against Aaron Rodgers. It just wasn't going to happen. So, look, you shouldn't be that depressed and you shouldn't be that surprised. And I guess it's just, it was a very sobering realization that you just, you knew that they were going to lose and you knew that there was a good chance that it was going to be ugly, but you wanted to see something that made you believe that maybe this season wasn't over and you didn't see it. What you saw was a confirmation. You saw a confirmation that the season was over. And I know that there are going to be those of you that are listening to this that are thinking, hey, if, if we go out after the bye, we're, we're at Indianapolis. That is a winnable game. And you're right. In theory, that is a winnable game. And if we win that game, we're at six and five. And all of a sudden, things start to look a little bit brighter. And I'm here to tell you, one, we're going to lose that game. And two, even if we win it, this team will find a way to blow another game that they're supposed to win and they will not make the playoffs. And a win will only prolong the sadness, will only make the disappointment that much worse when we go and and lose a game to Buffalo or to Jacksonville. And it will get us further away from taking a look at the mirror and saying we are not close. And it will take us further away from getting a better draft pick to really solve the problems that ail this franchise, which is they need to continue to draft and build the foundation. They have done a decent job the last couple of years of drafting and of getting some talent and of building a foundation, 
of players. There is some talent on this team. There are some pieces on this team, but we are still far away. And now is not the time for us to think that we are closer than we actually are because there is nothing more Dolphins. There's nothing more same old Dolphins than thinking that we are close when in reality we are miles and miles away from being a Super Bowl contender. Because again, the goal is not to win nine or 10 games and to eke out a playoff berth just to say that you are a playoff team. The goal is to be a Super Bowl contender and not for one year, not to have one fluke season as this team has had uh, a couple of times over the past decade. It is to be a consistent Super Bowl contender, a consistent upper echelon team, and that can only be done by building and building and building through the draft and making smart complementary decisions that all have that singular vision of the long term. And until we get to that and until we can stick to that for multiple seasons in a row, we're not going to get there. So hopefully we can look at what we've got and say, look, this season is a loss. We're not going anywhere. Let's find out what we got in David Fails. Let's continue to develop our younger players and let's lose some football games. I'm not, I know that, you know, in, in house, in, in that locker room, you don't want them to be thinking that. But as far as the front office, that's what they should be thinking. We need to lose some football games because the only way that we're going to get to where we need to be, where we want to be, two, three, four years down the line is by losing today. And that's going to wrap up another episode of the same old dolphin show. Uh, remember to, to rate and review, give us a five star review. It really helps us out. Uh, even if you, even if you thought, eh, that was a pretty mediocre podcast, do me a solid. Give me a five star review. Give us a five star review. You know, I, I'd give you a five star review. So, so be nice. Do, do us a solid. Give us the five star review. Uh, hopefully Josh will be feeling good enough here in the next couple of days, uh, for us to record our, well, I, I, we won't have a preview show actually, cause we've got the bye week coming up. Um, so we will, we'll basically be taking a week off unless some news breaks. Um, we may. We may, if, if some news breaks here in the, in the coming days or in the next week, uh, or so before we do our preview show for the Colts game, we may do a show, uh, if, if some news breaks on Ryan Tannehill, if he's put on IR, if he's not put on IR, uh, maybe we do a show about that. Um, in the meantime, just to leave you with something so you're not, not hearing from us for, uh, what would essentially be a week and a half. Uh, but, you know, we're going to enjoy some time off as the, as the Dolphins will. So as the Dolphins try to get healthy, Josh will work on getting healthy. I'll work on, on getting myself healthy. Cause frankly, I, I hosted a trivia show today and I was running all over that restaurant collecting answers. And I realized, man, I got to get back in shape. I got to start running again. I'm exhausted. My legs are hurting. So. Yeah, we're going to take a week and we're going to try to get healthy just as the Dolphins are. And hopefully when we come back, we will be previewing the Dolphins game against the Indianapolis Colts. And, uh, yeah, I'd say hopefully we'll be looking forward to the Dolphins winning a game against the Indianapolis Colts. Josh may be rooting for that. I think I've gotten to the point where I just want us to make it close and make it exciting, but lose a game like 35 to 34, uh, that would make me extremely happy. So for Amplified to Rock, 
I'm Aaron, Aaron the Brain. Follow me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. You can follow Josh on Twitter at Amplified to Rock. Make sure to listen to uh, Dolphins, the Dolphins.com, DolphinsTalk.com daily podcast. Mike does a great job over there. And make sure to visit DolphinsTalk.com, your one-stop shop for all things Dolphins. Until next time, I am Aaron the Brain. This was the same old Dolphin show. We'll see you on next time. Go Dolphins!